You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hello, I have very big Enneagram and Marriage news today. I haven't even given the episode title yet. That's how excited I am. But today we're talking about the attachment of each Enneagram type. And I will make the announcement first so we can get on to our beautiful topic today that I'm very excited to talk to you about. Our news, if you haven't heard yet, is that we have a book coming out. I'm so excited. And when I say we, I mean our community. You guys have been a part every step of the way of just all of the research, all of the encouragement. And so many of you have been part of ENM in some way. So yay, guys, we did it. There is a book coming out and I cannot wait to share it with you and to give you some bonuses if you order first before everybody else because you know that's part of the whole deal. But the book is called The Enneagram in Marriage, Your Guide to Thriving Together in Your Unique Pairing. So you know how we love to talk about the Enneagram glow here. And you've heard me say so many times on the podcast that I'm doing writing. And some of the time it's these other projects that we have going on because uh, we love writing here. But it's often been this project for the last couple of years. So I'm so grateful for that. And I know that as the book really officially, it's already on pre-order, so you can go get that. Uh, But as it continues to unfold for its October third release date, I'll be sharing bits and pieces along the way so that uh, you can hear when I have a special uh, announcement about it. Of course, most of all, I just wanted to say yay, and I'm so thankful for you, and I'm so excited, and share the E&M love out there with your friends, families. Make sure to get your pre-orders in and save your receipts because we know, like I said, that we are going to have so many fun bonuses along the way for you guys, and I've just decided and figured out what those bonuses are going to be. So through the month of June, I'll be spending some time writing those bonuses. So yeah, I can't wait. And they're not all writings, by the way. So I got some great feedback from our collective about what's really needed and wanted and from our Enneagram Marriage coaches. And so I feel like between the book and these pre-launch bonuses, we have you guys covered. And how fun will it be to, instead of explaining everything, which you know, we do around here a lot of we get to just hand people one resource and when I say we again we because so many people at Baker Books the publisher I'm so grateful to have had on this journey with me have helped to put this book together and you know what else they told me recently guys just one last thing that I found so cool is that they said you're not alone in this journey 
And as a seven, like you guys tell me that and my coaches and and everybody tells me that, Wes tells me that, uh, but sometimes just hearing it out loud as a type seven was like, oh my gosh, thank you. Like this is kind of a first for me. As you know, I have all these books I wrote uh, in a systemic way when my kids were little and didn't try to publish them outwardly other than to self-publish. Uh, but when we started to need something packaged here at E&M in a bigger way, I was like, we need a book about the glow. We need a book about the 45 pairings so that you guys have a space that you can just hand people their pairing. Um, But also there's a lot more to the book as well, where we dive into uh, the depths of each type, where we dive into conflict patterns, where I dive into stories. And yes, I cried during this book uh, a couple times because I went deep and I reached deeply. And Stephanie Duncan Smith, my uh, editor, really challenged me in that way. And Chris Farabee really challenged me as an agent to uh, take this on a huge journey. So I could not be more thankful for all the people, many, many, many hands going into this book. And that's why I feel like I can say that with you, like I'm so grateful with you. So I hope it blesses you. I know it's going to uh, be a project Wes and I even work through as a couple. So grateful and excited. Now let's make sure you go to the show notes to get that. Uh, But let's also make sure to talk attachments now. So this episode, I hope you grabbed it on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're watching or listening, because I actually broke the internet a little bit this weekend with my website. The EnneagramandMarriage.com website had um a glitch in the sense that we had uploaded so many podcasts onto it that Squarespace is helping me through it. And so <laughs> I don't know if you can find the web the episode there, but you can definitely, obviously you're watching it or listening somewhere. So thank you for finding us. We will find our way out of that. And it was perfect timing because Wes is working on bringing up my KristaHarden.com uh website right now that we had done for years and now we're turning it into a book launch website. So you can also read more and check that out as well if you're like, where did where did the podcast page go? But the rest of our website, EnneagramandMarriage.com is up and running great. And just that podcast page is snagging because guys, we have a lot of shows here, don't we? So let's get right in on the attachment of each and every Enneagram type. And for those who don't often hear this show, you'll know that I have a background in clinical psychology. That's what I got my master's in. And one of the first books I really enjoyed was Attachments by Clinton and Sibsey many years back. I also liked the quiz at The Attachment Project, which I'll link in the show notes as well, in case you just want to know what you're scoring as far as your attachment type. Now, we also had you maybe even last week listen to the episode I did on looking at attachment through the lenses of the head, heart, and body. And if you haven't heard that 15-minute mini episode, I would really encourage you to go back to it because there's a lot there for you. But now we're taking you through all the nine types. So very, very briefly, I just want to let you know that of course we all want safe and secure attachment, but we know some of us are anxious, some of us are, and another word for anxious can be preoccupied, uh, some of us are more withdrawing or dismissive or avoidant, and then some of us even have a combination of those where we're like, I can be stable at times, but in certain circumstances, I can even have disorganized attachment. And 
we can go deep on a number of levels. We could take this in the triads like I did last week with the heart, head, and body. You could talk about this with instincts. You could talk about this with stances. I've heard the Art of Growth podcast do a great job on that. And and there are so many ways, but today I just want to take us through type by type so we can truly look together at how each type generally approaches attachment in marriage. So I also said this last week, but I want to make sure I repeat it. I'm not going to just take you through and say like the avoidant people are these types or these types tend to be the anxious types. Uh, You already know that if you have any kind of Enneagram awareness, which types are avoidant and anxious, etc. But I want to take you through some specific attachment blocks or hurdles that are very practical for you to know. I don't want you in your head a lot in this episode going, I have to remember this label or this title. Much more I care about you and your partner learning how to calm yourselves when you're feeling like your attachment has been breached or disrupted. So taking you type by type, that's the language I'm going to use, practical language, and I'm leaving the attachment project for you if you want to dive in deeper or the past episode we just did. So type ones, if you are looking for healthy attachment, one thing I want you to do, and I was just encouraging a one client of this this week, is I want you to really look at your partner and ask them how you're making them feel loved or safe or good. Now, you hear me using a bit of triad language here, but what I want to really get at with you is oftentimes you've checked a lot of boxes. I've done good. I've done well. And I need to be given back recompense for that. I've earned it. And sometimes you're only looking at life on a surface level. And it's really important that you do a deeper dive with your partner or spouse And I'm going to tell you, hold on tight when they give you the answer, because if you come to them with a defensiveness or if you come in uh, with the tension that sometimes they can see about you that you don't always experience yourself, then you're going to miss out on the chance to really give them uh, the, the truth. And that truth is that I hope this is true. You want to know how you can help them. You want to be safer and healthier and more heart to heart with them. And you're willing to slow down and do the work to get there. You're not looking at them or this as a checklist to get done. You're like, I'm here and I'm in. And I know you're a compliant type. And so take that as a good piece of news that I know that you want to be with, not over your person, but with your person. So make sure you bring that in for attachment conversations. And if you want to feel healthily attached, I also want you to be vulnerable to use that kind of language, not just the to-do checklist of what can I do for you as far as acts of service, which ones can be prone to, but really just to say, look, I'd love to really make sure we're deep, to really make sure we're doing okay. And that's even a great question to ask in a lot of marriages, not all, but a lot can be a trigger for a few, but is, are we doing okay? And waiting for the answer, pausing, breathing, and we've got a whole other episode for you on conflict cycles. So if you go into that, uh, you go back to that episode just a few episodes ago with the DiLorenzos, the number one marriage podcasters, and there's so much there and their book is even better. I got it and I was really happy to get the physical copy too after the other copy and it was so good. So that is important for you to know as a one that there is hope for your conflict. Conflict is normal. Let it be in there. Don't let it fester underneath the surface. 
talk about it. This is your way to attachment, I promise. And it will not be perfect, but it will be close and secure together. And that is the goal, not perfection. Okay, twos, I know you love your connection. So this is a very good conversation for you in the sense that you want to be well attached and secure. And for you, that means together time and quality together time. And when you're not feeling well attached, you want to know practically how you can get there. You're like, I will do whatever it takes to make sure this relationship can thrive. And and that's a beautiful thing. Now, I don't want you to lose your boundaries in that either because people-pleasing and codependency can be a really huge piece of anyone with a two arrow wing or who is a two. And it's so important that you understand the dynamic of true healthy attachment allows for some personal time for your partner to decompress and even for you to decompress and get some personal self-care so that you guys can come back clear-headed. Twos can slip into that eight space of really being big and, and losing their temper. And so it's not a bad thing to be big and to finally get to speak out. But using that eight strategically and with wisdom won't chase your partner away and just make them stereotype you. I think twos deal with a lot of stereotypes of, oh, I'm just all emotion, all love, all femininity, or all uh, this piece of uh, just perfect love. If you're a guy, people probably say you're Christ-like. Like These are great things, but they can really hurt if people don't know, yeah, twos have bad days too. Uh, we don't want the other labels for when those days hit. Um, and you can't help what people will label you, but what you can do is work on your own countenance and you can work on uh, being expressive and bold and boundaried. And that's your work to do for healthy attachment, as well as, like I said, definitely leaning in for the actual questions of what can I do? Sometimes with twos, there's this sense of magical thinking like, I already serve so well, there's nothing I could do more. And, and there is, there's always something we can nuance with our spouses. So being willing to learn and setting the pride aside will bring you back to the attachment style that you really need and deserve, which is secure attachment together with some space, with some boundaries, and also with clear connection and communication because you're staying logical and using critical thinking skills, not just blowing up or being perfectly docile and codependent. And um, also directing you back to the DiLorenzo episode a few back on conflict so that you can get uh, help there as well if you need more or any of our other episodes. Okay, now type threes. I really enjoy learning from threes that they are so deep and so perceptive about the feelings of others. But what often goes unnoted or unstated in their personal relationships is we see them performing at such massive high levels in the world and they're so sensitive on the inside that it's very hard to talk through the actual hurts and vulnerabilities. They would rather in most cases just work harder. Like I can produce more, I can do more, I can show up better and this will take care of our deep wounds, but it doesn't. Those deep wounds need to be directly addressed and even time away working, like we said, there can be moments for that. That's just so important that you know that as well. But coming back in for the depths of conversation, this is where true attachment lies in connection. And so when you're out there working and killing it, you're not connecting with your person. And so coming back in for connection means authenticity and vulnerability, and that can be very challenging. So take it step by step and take time 
It's going to be imperfect. It's not going to come as fast as things usually do for you three. But take time to really get to know you guys as a couple and what keeps you regulated, what makes things harder. Sometimes threes can be very brash with their language and go so quickly, so slow it down. You hear my voice doing that right now. Taking deep breaths. This is all so good for you to take in. So I want you to really pay attention to that in your attachment processes. Uh, also, make sure you listen to the um, the triad episode we just did. Now, type fours. I know you're aware of this. Sometimes you can have that push-pull with your person in the sense that you do want deep attachment, but sometimes you don't because you're also a withdrawing type. And so they can feel confused and leave you to yourself and to your creativity and to your art. And then you're wondering, where are they? I want to know why they didn't come for me. And uh, have that magical thinking also where you say, like, I shouldn't have to do the work. It should just happen. Romance is an essence. It's an aura. But I want to let you know statistically, and I know you may hate me for this for just one second here about going statistics on you, um, the passion or sort of mystical relationship motif doesn't usually have the same, and of course this is a bell curve, but happiness as a growth or grit marriage does. So really allow that to sink in with a deep breath. That healthy attachment for a four looks like a lot of hard work and humility of learning new things, even things you thought would be always so natural, but actually working for it and leaning in and not out more and apologizing and and yet not swallowing whole that you are bad or wrong. Just acknowledging all relationships take work and they're messy and there is something romantic there about that. Um, They also have their makeup times and that's wonderful. But try to give your spouse some actual indicators for what makes you tick. And that means being a bit of a scientist, not just an artist of yourself. Okay, so type fives, what I want you to remember about attachment is exactly that. You need to attach. Attachment takes work and it takes presence and you're so good. I know you're a relationalist and that you're a huge giver and that you have a huge heart. I know this and a lot of people don't know this about fives, but this audience I think think does. Some of you are fives or have spouses who are fives who have taught me this. Some of you have been fives with me in my office or virtual office more recently sharing this and truly sharing your whole heart. But I know that often you process those emotions on your own because you learned maybe even long before your spouse came along this was going to be the best. And there's a really cool influencer called Man Talks for anyone who's a five and wants to learn more like statistics. I think he probably has a million followers. Um, But he reminds us it's not so easy to just say men be emotional. He's like, we have not been socialized to be emotional. And you've heard us say that on this podcast before. but, But he really reminds that often even statistically men struggle more with suicidal ideation, alcohol use, testosterone being high, um, just a lot of feelings. And then on top of that, sometimes when they are weaker seeming, which fives don't want to appear weaker, um, sometimes the person they're in relationship with doesn't respect them as much. So this goes in two ways that you have to respect your partner if they show up in vulnerability, especially a five here. It costs a great deal to do that. But fives, the good news is here we are ready for it, that you can do it and that it actually will produce more synergy for you and your partner when you lead in with more of yourself. Even if you can't always 
experience a feelings like a feeling like crying with them. You can feel together. You can spend time talking about the feeling and in and, and that way feel together. Like I feel sad. I, I don't maybe have a crying moment, um, but I can experience that I'm sad right now or, you know, I'm frustrated and here's why. And letting your partner in is huge and also understanding that you're going to have different reasons you each get frustrated and that does not mean you're not a good fit or bad or wrong. So here's my advice to fives. Don't overthink it. Go back to what you do really best and that is strategize and focus on how to love your people. And also, of course, there may be boundaries you need to set to say, if I'm going to do a test work in my marriage, I really do need a little more time in my day to spend with my small group of people, like maybe just me and my spouse sometimes, or um, I have to tell people no sometimes that I can't work on projects with them because I'm focusing here and I do have that limited amount of energy. So don't be afraid to set the boundaries you need so that you can come right back here. This is key to research and life though, attachment. So take that with you, drink it in, it's good and it will bring you energy. Okay, now sixes, I want you to understand that you come in with a lot of reactive energy. And I actually just realized I have a six I have to write back to right now, a friend. Um, And there's a lot of really good communication done by our sixes and they're so precious and any of you who are a six or have a six or have a wing or arrow to six you understand the loyalty that comes from this relationship sometimes however you understand people can feel the attachment is breached because you're coming on so strong and it it is that sometimes I will say it here at least a little bit sometimes it's the withdrawing or disorganized but more Often than not, it's going to be that pushing in of, oh, I'm anxious or I'm I'm really ambivalent about the ways you love me and I need to make sure everything's okay. And we already said that that conversation is important and to give our sixes and everybody time to do the work, not just withdrawal. But for sixes, sometimes you come in with such intensity and such frequency of intensity that your partner needs to know what they're doing well. Not just you scanning for what's going wrong or what could go wrong in 10 years, but what's doing well. I know that um, I was in my six so bad um, this morning. Hannah, my daughter, is uh, was meeting with her advisor at USF, her new college, and she was like, Mom, I need you to be at that meeting with me. And I knew my six would want to be in there, plan everything, take over. And I said the harder thing, and I was like, no, Hannah, I'm not going to be there for you in the meeting because you need to do this yourself. And I hated doing that. But of course, I know myself. I'm like, you could be a helicopter parent. And then she's like, oh, it's over teams. And it's not even in person. And I'm like, okay, well, still, I want you to do this without me. So she's a four. She sets up right there, just like a few feet away from like Wes and Jack. We're doing a video and Melody and she puts her headphones on and Wes and Jack go make their video elsewhere. And then I'm kind of there doing other stuff. So I'm like leaning in and now anyway <laughs> I, I gave her about 30 or 40 minutes of space but by the end of the meeting I was in full six and I was near the bottom of the table sitting on the floor where she was petting my dog <laughs> and she hung up her call with her team's person and she was like not even a word and I just like waited one second and I go hi Hannah how was your meeting <laughs> like popped up and we just cracked up so hard because <laughs> 
like I was totally there for like the end of the meeting and like I wish now like sort of that I would have been there for the whole thing because I'm like okay like let's make sure she got it right but I knew guys and this is how much work it is for anyone with a six I knew that she needed to do this for herself and I also knew um and my sister was sort of guilting me my three sister and I were laughingly texting about this and she's like Krista um I was like my, you know, the kid's father was there for their meetings and, you know, my son was there for his younger. And I'm just like, okay, like it's not bad for me to be with you. But knowing that six intensity, that's what I was working with was this is sometimes a handicap for us in this family. And I need to make sure that I don't do everything for everyone and that I give them some space to be learning without me. So just make sure you do that about marriage too. Don't do all the work for the marriage. Let your spouse do some of that. Challenge them with that. I know it's so scary because you know and I know what could happen. But the truth is faith means doing this, like lifting up hands to God and saying at the end of the day, it's all going to play out the way it does. And I'm not just going to be that destiny based, as I said to the four. I'm going to put the work in of relationships, but don't put all the work in. Let your partner do some work. Let them show up for you. And also, don't bombard them with negativity. That's my biggest piece for you. All right, sevens, similar to six, five, this thinking triad is so similar together, so I won't go on long about sevens. But I think for you as sevens, you do need to do your work in this way. Healthy attachment doesn't just look like your spouse or partner taking up fun with you. It doesn't look like just having adventures. It looks like hard conversations where you set in and work on what's really going on under the surface. And that is scary for sevens. And I am using a word that sevens don't use a lot, but I'm just going to say it. Scary. I am saying it. One more time, three times. I'm scared. Like my niece Maggie says, and I think it's a good little seven phrase. She seems to be a developing seven. It's like, I'm scared, you know, but allow yourselves, like the Stoics would say, to be scared, but not living in fear. And so that will look like you acknowledging for the first time, maybe life can be terrifying. I'm a thinking type and I want to have my uh, fixation of planning, all my fun adventures, safety, But really, I have to surrender the fact that my spouse has gifts truly. And when I say truly, I mean not just rationalize it for one second as a half feeling, but sit with it. Your spouse has gifts you don't have. Come in humbly and let them know that. Let them know it's terrifying for you to come in humbly and that you're going to together have to come up with some good ways for self-soothing. But that takes a lot of trust. Some of you are like, that's so easy for a seven. No, if you are a seven, you know how hard it is to come in with that vulnerability so do it though it's a worth it i'm telling you do it not every day not an emotional root canal constantly but this is the key to healthy attachment okay now eights you are hearing me slide over to that eight wing and say vulnerability is hard that is exactly what i meant to say thinking about you too here that i know that when you're in a stressful moment and not wanting to admit that you're vulnerable or have feelings you can go into your issues of denial and i think that it's so important that you know that just when your partner comes in for softness with you you can just kind of lance them with, nope, didn't happen, didn't notice, don't care, don't need you. And I want you to really get into some softness. And it might not look like just this full admission and melting into a puddle, but it might look like just letting them love you 
or making up together, uh, maybe even making out together, but making up together and really letting yourself say, I get lonely, I get scared, I get panicky. Uh, whatever the feelings are that you're experiencing, that's super important for your spouse to know that you're human. It's important for you to know that you're human and that weakness and vulnerability are not bad. It's just part of humanity. We all have weak moments and vulnerable moments and there are communities that are safe to help with that. Sometimes you might have to shift a bit in your community like, man, our community hasn't been safe lately. So definitely reevaluate healthy boundaries. But remember this, eights. No one is perfect. So don't align yourself with nobody. Come back to community and just say to yourself, I'm not perfect. They're not. But we do have love and there is a goodness here. And I'm going to shift to make sure I find people that have a part of goodness. And you might even need to ask other people if you're in that very harsh, strong, um, polarized thinking, you might have to say, wait, what's the goodness of my spouse or partner? So that's okay if you need some support. Um, it's really important you get it. Don't cut people off that are, are good people especially your family. Okay, and then nines. Let's finish up with our precious nines. We know that you want to attach healthily because you're so thoughtful of others. And yet we also know with nines, there comes in this sense of I'm not worthy. I may as well just kind of slide back into other pieces of myself where I won't get anyone's way or be a bother. Uh, and also there's this sense of calm and I need to keep the peace. I need to be the master of of harmony and it's so important that you realize that that is a great piece p-i-e-c-e and p-e-a-c-e that you bring to have that to exude that um, but that will lead people to not hear you so you have to get a little louder and that's going to take you getting energy and that's going to take body work and you might be tired of hearing me say that but I'm saying that because it's true and it works and it's a bit of a slower start sometimes with our nines but once you get into your body and you start getting that massage or getting that workout in, even a cardio workout, uh, stretching, yoga, whatever it is, you start to embody, ah, I can do things. I can move. I'm important, not more important than anybody, but that I have value and something to say. And just as a reminder, nines, you have the gift of every type. So when you can uh, enter a group, you immediately become such a safe leader. And I really was happy when my daughter's teachers told her that they were like, for next year, Year, make sure you come in with your leadership. People need that. Uh, people need a good leader. They need a loving person to guide. And that's you. You have a deep kindness. But when you hide in the turtle shell or wherever you like to think of yourself, the sloth's nest or tree, uh, there's not that sense of really connection. So you lose your attachment when you just slide back and say, never mind. And so I don't want to have you saying, never mind. I want you saying, I'm in, I'm here. And I'm thankful for the fact that I bring so much peace to others, but I'm not going to let them sleep to what's most important, which is our connection. So I'm going to fight for connection. And uh, you have some heart access. You have a three. Uh, although your three gets very busy, you do have a heart piece. So I want to invite you back to that heart space. And even you guys, if you're a type that doesn't have as much heart access, I want to invite you in. We all have access to all nine types. Ultimately, we want to be as well-rounded and expansive as possible. 
and hold the gift of our own beautiful types as well. So make sure, nines, that you are all in and and get the help you need. If you need a good listener, get a coach. If you need to hear some of our op, uh, episodes on how to walk through conflict, we are here for you. And you can write us as well. We are listening and lots of episodes for you, nines. Okay, well, let's talk soon. I'm so glad we got to do this episode together. Make sure you grab the E&M book over in the show notes and spread the word to your friends. And we'll check in later about that as we get our launches downloaded. Uh, so make sure you also take time to save that receipt or just the email and we'll get it later so that you can get your bonuses for ordering early. So anyway, thank you guys so much. The Attachment Project quizzes in the notes as well. And I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as Enneagramandmarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.